0: RPS Powered by SET.
1: Welcome to the Weekly Review, where two adults and a bright young mind make sense of the world we live in by analysing stuff in pop culture. My name's Johan Wald, and joining me at the Oval Table, we have Ben the III. Hello. And Marvai Verdu. Hi. Behind the controls, the one and only Rob Roman, waving to us through a glass screen. And today, we talk guilty pleasures. It may or may not have something to do with Miley Cyrus' new album, Plastic Hearts, being our album of the week. Although this week, we have a sort of double album whammy, since Bad Bunny released his third album of 2020, which begs the question, can it all be so good if it takes him such little time to produce? Mar brings us another of her modern dictionary evolutions to help us, the aged, understand what the young'uns mean today when they are proud to be bimbos. Expect some chatter on music icons that have made you feel embarrassed to be their fans in Woklandia. Julio Iglesias, Kanye, Sting, Taylor Swift, Barbara Streisand, and Queen with Flash. Ah yes. That wonderful Ah So Ben, we've opened with Queen's Flash in a special We certainly have. <laughs> special episode dedicated
2: to guilty pleasures.
1: Is this one is this a song that you would not be caught DJing at a friend's wedding, for instance?
2: Well it's the kind of thing that when you were like 22 you'd have been very embarrassed to say you're like when you're my age which is a bit more you really don't care and if there was a friend's wedding oh I would definitely 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 put on Flash in fact I'm slightly disappointed no one put on at my own wedding because uh, Flash Gordon I don't even uh,
1: it came out in 1980 so I was only two years old and I, I I, never had a memory of it being bad or or kitschy and now it's obviously a cult favourite
2: film well my dad's name is Gordon as well Oh. helps and his nickname uh, at the place at the school he worked was Flash Gordon, so it all ties together because he was fast at his work, or was he? slow? Nah, slow. I mean, what else you gonna call Someone called Gordon, you know. What, Mar, what do
1: you think of Flash? Do, do you have any concept of what Flash Gordon was? Any <laughs> like the pop cultural reference? Mm, not at all. Did you watch Ted, the movie? No, because uh, there's a there that's that has a clear homage to Flash, it even start it has a
2: the actor who played. Flash is, is that the film with the, the bear the teddy goes, bear right right I've seen Ted two some of it <laughs> he's also in Ted two Flash I think he he marries them the, 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 yeah there was some kind of weird joke about his sperm count or something <laughs> yeah. if I remember rightly it was quite <laughs> quite interesting so anyway we 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 decided
1: to think about guilty pleasures because um, you know they've always been a way of. Our cultural tastes have been used as social currency. It's how relationships are forged. And there used to be a fear of being caught liking something that was naff or terrible in case you got banished from certain social circles, like with political preferences. But music, film, literature and art are subjective and less dangerous to discuss at a dinner table. And it was a lot of fun discussing what was considered terrible stuff because, you know, it it was an experience where you'd be surprised that you weren't the only one who loved Barry Manilow, for instance, or Flash Gordon or something like that. But today, it's a totally different landscape and Mar is the perfect (laughs) person to tell us about how she perceives, how you perceived, my dear, uh, what a guilty pleasure is.
0: Exactly, like... We were saying, okay, we will talk about guilty pleasures, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh my God, I'm like the perfect example of guilty pleasures. But then (laughs) I was thinking, wait, I, I don't think I can name any guilty pleasure because the first thing that popped to mind was like keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever. But I don't feel like that's my guilty pleasure. Like I wouldn't categorize it as that. And that made me think of a theory that I have now that is that the concept of guilty pleasure has totally shifted in the past like only five years or so. Like, and I'm going to prove my case. I think like Keeping Up With The Kardashians, uh, many people would say like, yes, a guilty pleasure, blah, blah, blah. But now I think it's like more of a basic cultural knowledge. It's not anymore something you hide like now. If you wouldn't know what there's people that are dying, Kim. Or you're doing amazing, sweetie. Comes from it means like you have no basic cultural background because hmm. you you don't know like you're doing amazing, sweetie. Is what Chris said to Kim when she was doing her play, first Playboy photo shoot or something like that. It, I, and I don't want to be. Um, like scandalous but it's like not knowing to be or not to be like everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should know it and and it means like you know where the society you live in and for example another kind of guilty pleasure would be like liking Paris Hilton like ah, this silly girl who is too spoiled and only lives to party in blah 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 but now like 2020 now it's, it's not a guilty pleasure like, oh no, I like Paris Hilton, I understand, she is a character and she's a brilliant business mind and, and she was ahead of her time and she was playing us all like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not a guilty pleasure. And this in music as well has happened, like I was thinking Taylor Swift, then again, it's not a guilty pleasure, like maybe a few years ago. Um, it was only this silly girl um, from the south, or I don't know exactly where she's from, um, that only sings for other silly little girls who are crazy about her. Yeah. And she only knows how to talk about breakups and boys. She m- may have won a Grammy or a- other awards, but she's not that good outside of her fan base. But now she's begun to be recognized. Like you can tell someone, oh yes I was listening to folklore and it's not something you hide and it's like, oh my guilty pleasure like they would understand that she is a brilliant songwriter and she is amazing at doing what she does and and it's uh, that she puts lots of effort in her song so it's not something that like a few years ago would have been judged now. So I was thinking, okay, so none of this is guilty pleasures. Like I can tell people I love Taylor Swift and they will not think I'm just a silly girl. They will know, (laughs) I know how to appreciate some writing and stuff. So who who what is the guilty pleasure now, right? Like,
1: well, before you continue, Ben and I were talking about the the shift in paradigm with the whole perception of, um, especially female pop artists. What you were saying, it's like, oh, it's there used to be this sort of really rank thing of it's silly girl music, and now you look at the major music websites like Rolling Stone like Pitchfork and stuff and they're all seriously credibly reviewing pop albums by Ariana Grande Taylor Swift uh, BTS Blackpink you know the music that was supposed
0: to be it's the the
1: change in paradigm Uh, what were you saying Ben it's because
2: well I was going to say like, I think a lot of people nowadays don't want to be seen as like a rockist you know like if they don't want to be seen as like neglecting th- this kind of music um and you know people are like, oh you're so old you just listen to indie music you know you don't appreciate what's going on with with you know Miley Cyrus and and that kind of thing i think people are genuinely scared of that i think people who would probably be a bit little bit harsher about these albums kind of get put off it also their their fans can very much get on your back Um, So you're seeing like a lot of the albums we've looked at this year and there have been some absolutely brilliant albums, but like Kylie's album, I didn't think was all that good. And that got like really, really across the board reviews, uh, good, good reviews, which I found um, was very interesting. Um, So, yeah, it has been changed. But I wonder if we're going to sort of go back the other way. Mm -hmm. Is it is it that
1: taking yourself too seriously, like music critics would be, uh, it's like unfashionable now?
0: Exactly. That's my point. Like. Now this, what used to be the ones who felt entitled and and being like oh yes I listen to this and that so I'm gonna be little ute for listening to Taylor Swift now that's a guilty pleasure now if you were like a film critic or stuff and you mm, hated people who didn't know who Tarantino was or whatever now you're the one who have to has to feel guilty like now if I were to watch I don't know The Joker unironically like for. Pl- mm, Personal pleasure, I would be like, oh my god! I hope no one discovers I'm watching The Joker or The Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. Like now, that's guilty pleasure. Like if I were to go to someone new and and say like, yes, uh, this weekend can I watch the The Joker and listen to the Police or some uh-huh. kind of music like that? I would be so embarrassed, and I knew they would they would cringe at me, and I would much rather say, no, no, no! I, I was joking. I watched Jennifer's Body and listened to the whole discography yeah. of Carly Rae Jepsen. Because now, listening to the police and stuff like that, or loving these critically acclaimed male. films and blah, 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 male dominate. that's the cringy thing that you can enjoy. It doesn't mean they're bad, but maybe you shouldn't say it publicly. Radiohead
2: is a good example. Ex- Perfect. Like, what well, people don't want to say
1: they're like Radiohead. It's like it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, it's embarrassing right. now really? to Interesting. Admit that, like you you get pointed for being oh you're one of those like male yeah, guys exactly. who takes like these real musos taking themselves too seriously. It's true. Like every time someone has to I, I, I have uh, some people on Facebook like Juan Joseith who's a very uh, he's a pop cultural reference here in Spain who uh, who's an illustrator and he's tirading against all these bands that we loved in the 90s like Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead and stuff say you know kind of defending some or rem you know it's like you know it's like oh this band is terrible to how how were we so duped and it's like hang on a minute uh so now rem is a guilty pleasure you know whereas
0: 100%. for years
1: you know you'd read uncut magazine or mojo which were the, the two music bibles you know that was like oh rem was on the cover i don't know how many times and now it's like a an embarrassing thing.
2: But, you know, when that happens, I always think it's people who are, like, really ashamed of their own tastes, you know? It's like, oh, my God, did I used to like this? Well, I've got to, like, eliminate it, you know, nothing guilty like the Z is the Freshly yeah. Converted, and I don't think that's a good thing. Oh no, it you know, it, it, yeah. But it, it's fun. I cla- <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> it's a it's <lot> of fun. <laughs> I
0: always imagine guilty pleasures is what would I be ashamed to say to someone new? And maybe you love um, any of these bands, because they're good, but Maybe you wouldn't want to say it to a person that doesn't know you, and that's what makes it a guilty pleasure. Like it doesn't mean they're bad or they weren't good at the the time they were out. It means like now, maybe it, the things have shifted, and maybe you shouldn't. All
2: right, let's do, let's let's do. I, I've got. Let's do a test. All right. It, it's all our first day on a new university course, right? Which is pretty embarrassing kind of thing, right? And we sit down next to next to someone, and we make conversation and they say, oh, what kind of music are you into, right? What would you say? Aha! What a good experiment. Because, all right.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm cringing already. Exactly, imagine, exactly, Imagining what pretentiousness I'd come out with, because I was the worst, I, I admit it. I, I am guilty of, of using... Pop uh, culture, you know, mm-hmm. chin stroking culture, as a way of advancing in society, of of trying to get some good reputation with the cool people or people who had power to give me jobs. Um, mm, yeah, come on. <laughs> what about
2: you, Johans? Johans? Uh, mm-hmm. What would you say, I
0: think now that I have to prove my point, so I'm gonna say like. <laughs> Since I, I just saw my Spotify rap, so I'm going to say like someone like Lathoui or Bad Bunny, like, yes, everybody's listening to that, so what? Maybe you are too, so um, mm, let's bond with that. I also have Taemin Pala, but maybe Taemin Pala is a guilty pleasure. Like um, Yeah, it's clear, it's there, isn't yeah. it? It's
1: there, it's <laughs> there. Because there's also the fear of, of of sharing the tastes of what is perceived to be the basic Mm, basic people on Instagram you know when it's like oh they're so obvious it they'll put, they'll have those cheesy videos where they're like drinking <laughs> coffee outside of their camper van with a Tame Impala song in the background yeah. it's like I don't want to even though I love Tame Goals. Impala I don't want to be sack, <laughs> put into that sack you know uh, but but then again if you say something like uh, Bad Bunny and stuff it's almost like you're declaring war at the dinner table because you know it's almost like saying you you like a like a, a really uh, extreme feminist uh, group, you know, and you know that you're gonna have the three cuñados like oh that's it. But Hay I la guerra.
0: think I think Bad Bunny is the safe option now. Like you, nobody nobody will be against it. Maybe some people will be like oh I don't like it I don't like him that much or or maybe but nobody will be like starting a discussion with you or something.
2: Con Johan, you haven't answered. What would you say? So you're into music, Johan. What do you like? <laughs> well, you s- if, if, if I, I No, you're here now. <laughs> uh, we're at university. I, I'm an indie
1: kid. You know, I still love my <laughs> 90s indie. I'm still proud of it. But at the same time, I, I grew up on Michael Jackson. And my first, I, 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 I posted a thing about Sting. I love Sting. But would this be the conversation I want? You know, do I want people to think that I take <laughs> myself seriously and that I read Carl Gustav Jung like Sting? And, uh, you know, it's like, do I have to say just just say the police it's because I like too many things so I, I know I know Ben you've put me in a in a gridlock in a I don't <laughs> see, know see Michael
2: Jackson I love the
1: Wu-Tang Clan I don't know it but but you know how, how I always think when you talk about your musical tastes I'm at that age now where I need to use it to steer a good conversation and find right, common right. ground but if if it was thirty year old me, I'd be all like, yeah, Interpol is my thing, and Radiohead, and all the typical bands that now you kind of you kind of have to be embarrassed of saying.
2: <laughs> Michael Jackson's another interesting one because I I right when we started talking about this, I was like, there's no th- such thing as a guilty pleasure. I'm totally off it. And you you you've both got interesting arguments about this, Johan. I know you're going to explain about the guilt later. But I was thinking, well, maybe a genuine guilty pleasure is something like Michael Jackson, whether it's a genuine bad person and you should not listen to them like i would not tell i don't think i would listen to much michael jackson but i certainly wouldn't say i was a michael jackson fan now
1: exactly that is the evolution of the guilty pleasure because now it is it is guilt you know you you, you can't say where well, as i say you use your music your tastes and culture as a social currency to find common ground but if you say you love michael jackson and you don't care about whatever evidence or whatever you believe and stuff you're obviously gonna you can offend a lot of people you know, people who've been victims, people who've had serious trouble with, with with the kind of things that Michael Jackson has been accused of. Or it's like saying, uh, you know, that there's always a, a debate of Woody Allen. You know, you have people staunchly defending that he's innocent and stuff. It's like it's not defending the person, Woody Allen. It's like you're 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 being complicit with things that have have historically always not favored victims. You know, you're you're being part of a system. So that's a that's. That's the interesting part of how these guilty pleasures have have evolved.
2: So right, I've never seen Keeping Up with the Kardashians, more, and I was mm-hmm. one of these people who who uh, when you mentioned uh, there's people that are dying, Kim, or you're doing amazing, which I don't, I literally don't know where they come. It, uh, so what what do, what do you think of me? What do you think of me now?
0: Every single episode. I've watched this. The- like I haven't read Hamlet, but I know to be or <laughs> to be. But. It's like a, a quote. Scene, Hamlet. It's
2: a play, Ma. It's a play. <laughs> yeah, it's not an, uh
0: <laughs> Okay. Um, but um, it's it's like a, a quote, right? It's like uh, so powerful. It's even outside the show. It's like a, a, you could say any... Of, I think people would get you. But and- it
2: just hasn't come through to me. Like It's not that I'm not, not interested. It's just like I've never... I don't think I've ever heard... I mean, I've heard people saying, oh, "You're doing amazing, sweetie." You're it's doing
0: amazing, sweetie. It's quite, it, it's quite big. I think. Who
2: said it, Chloe or the
1: mother? Chris, the mother. I remember. I just. I remember one of the times I watched it. Obviously, my girlfriend loves these kind of things, and I was watching the the part where Kim was trying to make a record album or oh. or a song and the mother she her her dish bag was like some people are talented and some just aren't or something <laughs> like that <laughs> it was like she gave her daughter so much shade and it's cool because it's like you know Chris Kardashian is a is a good mother because it's like don't get too excited darling you can do anything but mm, know your limits oh i don't know if that's being a good
2: parent oh yeah <laughs> that's hard.
1: oh yeah Marta our our uh, the director of RPS was talking about you know she was fearing the day that she will be be confronted with having to tell her son that he might not be good at something that he thinks he's good at, or something like that, it, it's an interesting thing as a parent, you know. When, when all of a sudden, you know, is it is, is it too dangerous to to praise their mediocre efforts? You know, should you be as harsh as Michael Jackson's father? Not as harsh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but Jesus. you know, that, that's a totally different discussion. You know, parenting,
2: <laughs> how to how to draw real talent from your kids. Be- You said something very interesting, right? Which was that basically the guilt... If you subtract the guilty factor, you take the pleasure away. Exactly. Please please expand.
1: So beyond the the moral thing, you know, when something was generally regarded as being naff or awful, like Eurovision Song Contest or uh, certain video clips made in the 70s, you know, and ABBA and Barry Manilow and Schmaltz and Barbara Streisand... There was pleasure in enjoying the fact that it was badly perceived, or you know that it, that people would laugh at you. That was the beauty, you know, when 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 you have a little secret, and then you look across the table and you like, and you see someone that you don't know, and they're like, I like it, too. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that bonding, the bonding that you would have now, you that we've subtracted the the guilty pleasure factor of those inoffensive things. Eh, it's no it's no fun anymore you can't that was fun that the fun that's why facebook is dying because we no no one no one makes a fuss anymore about those cheesy things you know now it's like ah oh, whatever it's not it's not a guilty pleasure to like keeping up with the Kardashians. it's like oh come on you know let's unite in a nice little thread and and and, and in in the badness but
0: we united so much we took the guilt away like oh my god I think everybody loves it can we just say it out loud uh, all together <laughs> and we were like yeah yeah Plus and then th- it reversed it reversed because but there's still guilt in, in things like a, it hasn't completely disappeared which but is the inter- interesting part
1: but the guilty stuff we're saying, like Tame Impala or Radiohead mm-hmm. or all the all those sort of indie bands, the the, the 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 fans don't really have the same sense of humor that someone who would <laughs> love um, Kimmy at the Kardashians would have, right? It's it's like the psychological profile of people who love uh, tacky t- midday TV, you know, Jeremy Kyle in UK or you know all that kind of stuff. You can you can really get a lot of sauce from it, but. There's no humour in talking about kid, kid A. You know, you can't be funny about talking about Graham
2: Parsons. But not everything in uh, life has, has to be funny. Uh, my, my slight worry with this is that pretentiousness is seen as the very worst thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's seen as the enemy. Whereas, actually, pretentiousness often comes from having interesting ideas. I think pretentiousness is a good thing. Amar, don't raise your eyebrow. I mean, like that, that <laughs> is imb- unbelievable <laughs> No, but it is. Because, like when what is one person's pretentiousness is another person's like genuine interest in going deep into something right so if i was to say to you mark i like french literature Right Mm -hmm. now, that might come across (laughs) as a little bit pretentious, and you know, that's that that, I can understand that, but I genuinely like it because I genuinely like literature that really goes deep in in, into these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I could say to you, you know, like I've got nothing against keeping up with the Kardashians, but I've got nothing against like particularly grueling French literature either, you know. Whereas, like, one is something you've got you're meant to be ashamed of, i.e., the French literature because it's too it's too pretentious. And isn't that a bad thing? You don't want to have people like, okay.
0: No, but like five, it, it's just time changing, right? Like five years ago, I had to justify myself when someone discovered I watched every single episode of Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Now it's your time to justify yourself <laughs> why you have read every single piece of French literature. <laughs> that, we're just, it's a
2: balance. Oh, I'm sweating already with excitement and joy. Coming my... next, you. Ma does the dictionary, I do my five minutes of Proust and we're going <laughs> to <laughs> gonna face off. Well, oh this... yeah, Johan, I've read Proust. Well, uh, well this is the
1: the thing right what I, I
2: i'm a utopian
1: and when we talk about pop culture it's basically because mostly everyone might have seen or might have a perception about something that's in the media right in the in the, in the, in pop in popular culture right that's why we always start dinners talking about what TV shows we've seen on Netflix or HBO. Or, no, that's that's been the great topic of Converse, the great uh, icebreaker in the last three years, uh, sh- talking about shows. Oh, and have you seen this? And, uh, and then you have the core groups of people who are up to date at the same time. And then there's like, oh, no, I watched Sopranos 10 years ago. I can't remember. what, Whatever. So uh, it's, it's a way of bringing people together, but not everyone has... Gone, has read Prost, or not everyone has read uh, Baudelaire. So it's w- once you get niche then you leave people out of the discussion, and it's happened, doesn't it? When you're at a party, a, a little what the the parties nowadays where you're allowed to, six people are allowed, and two people will have. I remember being cornered by uh, a famous Spanish writer, Ray Origa, and this journalist, um, Joseba Elola. Uh, we were at some party. Uh, no, it wasn't a party. It was just like a little gathering at someone's flat, and they they started talking about socioeconomics in El Salvador. (laughs) <laughs> and I was so out of my depth. I was like, and it was, and I was in the corner. It was like a small oh, flat, oh, a Guardilla, God. one of those like top flats with which the, the ceiling is, um, you know, the ceiling is part of the height of the room. So I was like crouched, <laughs> you know, I'm tall. I'm crouched in this corner between Ray Loriga and Jose Bailola. They're like, oh, yeah, talking about something I just had no, absolutely no, no knowledge of. There was no way I could like bullshit my way into the conversation either. And I, like a little crab, I had to like side, <laughs> step out like oh embarrassingly like oh I'm just going to the bathroom you know <laughs> oh and, and it, I'm still traumatized you know obviously and there wasn't even it was. It was it, this was way before you could quickly Wikipedia something underneath the table or you know like just quickly like <laughs> get some t- while they talk and like oh well, you know what I think that in 1970 there was a no anyway so That's why I love it when it's like, ah, let's just talk about whatever, Mm, the new album that everyone is talking about and stuff. And it's what I miss
2: about homogenization. Mo, you have a very interesting point. Uh,
0: Yeah. Okay, so we can all agree, even you, Ben, that the the shift has happened, even you like it or not. So there has to be a route. Why has it happened? It, It has to have a reason. And I know the reason. It's the bimbofication of society, which we love. Um,
1: What? The (laughs) bimbofication? Bimbofication.
0: And I'm going to explain. Like, as
1: in bimbo, uh, bimbo.
0: Exactly, because bimbo um, has been known as this shallow earth, a artificial air headed woman who only caters to the male gaze and blah blah blah. But it's not anymore because in the magical place of the internet, we're now reclaiming this word as this hyper-feminine woman who doesn't judge other others in general, but not for body modification. And is also pro-sex work, sex work, and is also super confident in herself and her sexuality and is super duper hot. So. Reclaiming bimbos is basically reclaiming hi- being hyper feminine and not making it about men. Like it's it's different. And well, this uh, reclaiming thing all started. It has also an origin um, when a artist on Twitter, I think, published an image which was super misogynistic. That. Represented this hot, sexy blonde tanned woman slowly turning into the, into this nerdy brunette girl who read books because if you're tall, blonde, and hot, you do not know how to read. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> putting it <laughs> bluntly,
0: apparently, um, and people were like, "What the heck?" and they started reverting the meme, and this originated the the wanting of bimbofying society, like. F these people who think you cannot be hot and and blonde and tall and magnificent and and <laughs> let's let's uh, be all bimbos and and there's now lots of memes about it, but it, this has brought lots of good things, which is. Um, I don't know, being hot, being confident, treating other people nicely. And I think this is a great um, evolution that we can all embrace if we are together in it. And I feel at least a part of of the world is already on it. So if if we can take this out of the internet and make it everybody, we can have a 2021 bimbo fight year and uh, it would be amazing. We already have like who would be our soundtrack like Kim Petras Rina Sawayama Slater Quero Quero Bonito we have a lot of women who are already would be super pro bimbo-fying the world and, and, and I'm here for it and, and I, I love that um, Guilty Pleasures have shifted I love that it means because we're all bimbos now and, and and I can wait how do
1: I think okay I, I love it and, and, and I love seeing Megan Thee Stallion and Doja exactly. Cat and, and all the you know that, that whole or, or Bavial here in Spain you know she's the the clearest closest example of a bimbification of a pop star <laughs> not porn pop star you know and using those highly sexualized references and stuff it's it's almost very defiant because you always get these male not, not only exactly. male you only you always get these very conservative cal- almost calvinistic responses like oh you know it's a bad example for the young girls because it puts a lot of there's always this argument about putting a lot of pressure on young girls to to be these these you know, mm-hmm. to be physically yeah, yeah. attractive and revealing and stuff. Uh, are they problematic? I don't know.
0: I don't think so. Like it it can be a debate and, a, and it's a very interesting debate because I, I agree with what you say, but if we take men out of the equation, yeah. you can be hot and you can be nerdy and you can wear whatever and it, it's uh, your choice and not catering to anyone. So if you want to be, Like being a bimbo embodies like I can be hyper feminine and not be a a product for other people. I'm I'm myself. I'm I'm a bimbo because I want to like and that means you can be the girl who is nerdy and has a book and that kind of is like bimbo friendly as well. You know, like uh, it's it's just choosing. Without thinking, oh, will this be approved by men? Will this yeah. be a product for whoever? Todo, it's just you choosing.
1: Total liberty. Obviously, the best movie example is *Legally Blonde* exactly. with uh, with Reese Witherspoon, who's the ultimate defender. Of <laughs> exactly, yeah. She, and 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 look at her. Look at uh, obviously she plays the characters. You know, as a, as a real life uh, producer. Wow, Reese Witherspoon, what she is doing for. The perception of women and and in her and the shows she produces and the films and stuff it's like wow reese witherspoon is my ultimate hero right now in the in the fight for uh, gender equality but uh, and also what was the famous one with emma stone uh easy a easy a talked that's about this one, yeah. that was a very that's a very sharp high school movie that, that had a lot of values in there mean girls written by tina fey tina fey who's always been an incredible uh, Comedian and scriptwriter, you know, Mean Girls is a, a hell of a work of art. We spoke about it on this show. You know, those are great Hollywood examples. What the thing is, I'm remembering a thing that I'm remembering. A, one of the Run DMC members, he was on a talk show with Amber Rose, and he may, he said something very, which is a typical sexist thing about like you have to dress to. Uh, how did he say? Basically, the way you dress uh, dictates how people are going to perceive you. And she, you know, and she said what you were saying is like, oh no, no, no. Why do I need a male approval? Why can't I dress how I want to? And there's this thing of, uh, the, the, it's like this uniform. It, I, you have to think that m- a lot of men still need to be re-educated in this whole thing, right? Like it's it's a lot to expect of men to not get aroused, to not, tr- uh, to learn to treat women with respect when they're dressed like. Uh, in a way that means uh, business, in a way, I don't know, like dressing like you're going, you're you're in a club on a on a on a go go
2: mm-hmm.
1: platform. No, that, I guess that's the complications. It's like, look, I understand what you're saying, Mar. It's like it, it shouldn't be women's responsibility. It should be all our responsibility to treat people with respect at all times. And just because you're wearing a super short mini skirt and you're you know with your high clear heels. Remembering Chris Rock Clear heels, you know Keep your daughter off the pole Keep your hurt daughter away from the clear heels Wear clear heels with pride, you know But it, it, it's going to take a lot of work still Because there's a lot of dangers involved, right? If, if if you're walking outside of a club at three in the morning On your own, in a taxi even You can face a lot of danger by dressing this way And so, I don't know It's, 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 it's all those complications, I guess
0: yeah. It is
2: I was going to say, it's Amber Rose who's talking to Run DMC's Reverend Run and actor Tyrese Gibson.
1: That's it, yeah. And he he he, he kind of rhymed it in a way. He's like, dress to address. Dress how you like dress to... Dress how you want to be addressed. How you want to be addressed, right? And and she was like, what the... Yeah, she <laughs> <but> said, <he's laughs> so boo, no, that's not realistic. Stop it. But I, I think he might have meant it, or the way I understood it is like, look, it's just a safety situation. It's like, look, I avoided going to but, see a football match at Estadio Santiago Bernabéu for many years because I knew that Nazi skinheads would go in Ultra Sur, no? And I was like, you know what? I don't mind staying home and watching it or in a bar, you know, rather rather than risk it. Obviously, then I went one day and it's like, there's nothing, there's no problem. It's totally safe. Well, unless you sit in certain seats. You just got to avoid the traps. Probably uh, you had to
2: watch Real Madrid, which is always a terrible thing. It's not a terrible <laughs> thing, Ben. Come
1: on, that's not a guilty pleasure. Real Madrid.
2: Hola, Madrid. <laughs> but
0: uh, it's... Um, it, you. Being a woman can be dangerous what the, whatever way you're dressed whatever, anything it's like what you said there's a lot of people who are not educated still and if you, I have to live in fear my whole life and being oh, I'm I'm gonna dress this way I'm gonna act this way I'm gonna to be addressed this way and, and let's hope this man doesn't say anything bad to me I'm, I'm gonna do whatever because they, they're gonna <laughs> do whatever anyway to me even if I wear a whole... Um, like, non-suit, or if I wear Kim Petra's outfit, I'm... I'm yeah, It's dangerous.
1: It's because that's, that's the shit thing. The good thing about the, the bimbification of, of pop and culture and, and it spreading into the mainstream is that we, we keep having... We need to keep having that conversation. Remember that Twitter thread when... Uh, I can't remember which actress said, OK, women, uh, to all women out there, what would you do if all men had a nine o'clock curfew? Like we have now, <laughs> but, you know, just men. And nearly all the responses was were i would go running late at night you know to run under the stars i would wear i would be able to wear shorts shorter clothing less clothing in summer because it's hot i would be able to go to the beach alone i would be able to uh go to the beach at night on my own and with my headphones listening to music not having to keep my guard up so that was really overwhelming i was like wow shoot you know and that's why as a as I try to be a, a good member of society by looking out in that sense. Like at, late at night, if I see uh, mm-hmm. a woman walking alone in a street, you know, I'm always looking out to make sure that no other asshole is gonna, like, but, I don't know, like I get the vigilante in me coming out. Then I follow her home and then she calls the police. It's like, this, this black guy following me. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, but yes, it is true that women in pop have been facing this kind of scrutiny for being too skimpy. Remember Madonna. Do you remember this uh, when Madonna? Are you aware that she once released an album called Erotica at the same time she released a book of photos called Sex?
0: I think I read somewhere like uh, quite recently, but I I, yeah, I think it's amazing.
1: Well, she obviously Madonna was the biggest star, female, male or female. It was you know early nineties, and she dropped this uh, double release book and. Uh, and album erotica with a video clip where she where you could see her naked it was really it was really arty as well Stephen mizel did the photos and uh the, I remember I was in high school and everyone was talking the backlash is like oh how how dare she you know and how how um like I said all, you know people were really conservative no parents obviously and stuff even children in school they were like oh you know so slutty you know so mm-hmm. And, and and I and I clearly remember this perception. And I thought, you know, this is actually cool. I, Justify my love. I remember wasn't. I I love the song now, but at this, but when the video came out, it was like this isn't really a great pop hit, is it? You know, we were expecting like a virgin, This is a girl who get like a virgin. True blue. All these incredible eighties pop bangers, and all of a sudden she's transitioning into this more adult. Phase, and I remember she met so much backlash, but now it is revered. You know, and I've got the date, the, 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 bleh, what do you call it? The, the, the numbers. I mean, it's, it's out, it's out of print, and it's still one of the most sought-out books. It sold over a hundred and fifty thousand copies on its first day. And it remains the fastest selling coffee table book. It topped New York Times bestseller list and went on to sell more than 1.5 million copies worldwide. So it was an incredible success. You know, sometimes we all know that in pop culture, sex sells. And it's just a shame that men, f- males never got the same scrutiny.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which brings us round to talking about Bad Bunny's latest album because Bad Bunny is considered, uh, even though he's Latin trap, he is also considered a reggaeton artist. And a lot of the flack that reggaeton still gets from the people who who don't admit it's a guilty pleasure, they just they just don't want to listen to it, uh, is because of the hyper-sexualization. What did you think of the new Bad Bunny album? Have you had a chance to...
2: Well, I thought it was quite interesting um, that we're talking about it with Guilty Pleasures because it kind of has um, some really interesting parts that kind of really um, the rock bits in it are very strange indeed like there's like a song that's kind of like a sort of uh, half cheesy cover of like smells like teen spirit there's loads of like stadium (laughs) rock there's uh, some there's some very 80s sounding stuff as well um, which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, basically, if you, uh, our, our friend Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. Her her album, basically, you know, we, we were starting off, um, it, it came out when we were all in quarantine, and she made this, like, kind of small album because she didn't have to go on tour, she didn't have to go and play stadiums, so she kind of made this really beautifully mm-hmm. kind of relaxed, staying at home, lovely album. And Bad Bunny, what he did is basically he envisaged what would happen in his final tour in 2032, and he went absolutely madly big Stadium, And it sounds at times to me like basically he wrote these songs as demo and then he went straight to like this is the version I would have played like 10 years on if you see what I mean. So this is like the version if you really know the song and i try and to do something differently so I'm going to like crank up their guitars and everything. It was a really fascinating mix. What do you think, Ma? I wasn't
0: expecting it at, at all. Like uh, um, the last two albums he put out, it was kind of the same one because the the second one was the like a second part of the first one but and this I was like oh okay uh, um these guitars and Bad Bunny in the same album okay and then yeah the lyrics are kind of emo or yeah again there's a uh, like emo uh, trap yeah. song
1: on there isn't there
0: and, and I was like oh okay I it's the, like not my favorite I, I like the OG Bad Bunny the the reason why he's famous but it's so unexpected I'm not against it I guess like okay you want to put this weird album out like yeah why not Um, there are songs that I I would have never expected to hear from him but I'm I'm okay
2: I do it's kind of an interesting mix between like applauding for me anyway applauding the fact that he does something differently and kind of wishing he'd play to his strengths because I think we can safely say rock music is not one of his strengths (laughs) no Um, I mean some of the, the 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 rock bits on this really do make me. I mean, Yobi Star C is pretty horrible. I think. I think we can. Agree. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah, because I, it came up to my head, and, and I remember imagining like um, these kind of movies where Lindsay Lohan um, played as a teen, where she has a rock band, and she's. Yeah. And I imagined Lindsay
1: Lohan playing Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very safe by the bell. Although you probably
2: haven't seen that, have you? No, okay.
1: (laughs) But they're bringing it back, I think. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Saved by the Bell, starring... mm, The star of Showgirls... uh, Uh, Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Someone. Berkeley, sorry. Damn it. Elizabeth
2: Berkeley, another example of a guilty pleasure. Showgirls, now revered. uh, See, I kind of love, like, Renaissance people who are like, yeah, I can do a bit of everything. And then sometimes... You're just like, oh, no, but actually you can't. You're not very good at that. You know, and like, who's going to tell Bad Bunny that he's rubbish at rock? I nobody. mean, nobody. Because but. he's
0: so uh, he's so famous, he mi- might know himself. It's not the best, but he's like, oh, I can do it. I'm going to do it.
1: Okay, so my qualm with Bad Bunny is, as I said in the intro... If he's releasing so, if he's producing so much material in such short time, and it's not even like mixtapes, because sometimes like Drake or other kind of artists, they, they get away with saying, "Look, this is a mixtape. This isn't the best of what I can do," and it's like quite decent. You know, as a fan, you think, "Oh well, this is quite good." You know, as a mixtape. But but the fact that these are three albums in one year, it makes me question. first of all, I, I I personally, it's not really my style of music. Whatever, I'm a Radiohead fan, <laughs> proud. Um, but remember how back in the day all artists would make it seem like it was really hard to produce a masterpiece right it was the, it took them a lot of time and depression and, and they'd battle with drugs and alcohol and insecurities and they'd fight with the band members and then by the time they'd released it and they'd take it on tour it was like a, a triumphant victory lap, right? It's like, wow and, and there was this perception of wow, look at this look. you could feel that it took a lot of sacrifice but this, the fact that a lot of Bad Bunny's music is made with the same type of laptops that we use and that really so many people have demonstrated that if you look at a couple of youtube tutorials you can pretty much learn how to make music mm, like the stuff that you can hear on bad bunnies i'm not saying he's not incredibly talented he is and he obviously has something special that he is so massive but it's i don't know if it's just the general criteria that has lowered the bar and it's more about his i was i remember manso was talking about this a local barcelona producer it's like you have to be not only a musician and a producer you also have to be a bit of an influencer in the sense of how you put the message out there how you you control your own music and the way it's perceived and your persona and it's like i remember back in the 70s you kn- you didn't know what a lot of the people making the records look like uh, you know except for the more glamorous ones and stuff but a lot of these talented musos you know it was it was just their names on an album and it's like what wow, the music spoke le- a lot more
2: and now it's so much personality personality well, yeah, he's an interesting person, isn't he, Bad Bunny? That's one thing I've always I've mm. always thought about him, you know, through his his um, fashion choices, for example. Mm. Uh, and we were talking recently, weren't we, about when, when he was on Jimmy Fallon um, and calling attention to the murder of transgender woman uh, Alexa Negron Luciano yeah. in, mm. in, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And, you know, not all pop stars would do that, you know, would take that... Which is why I, I feel kind of very well disposed to him, not just because just he, he's like an interesting interesting kind of person. You don't know what he what he's going to do. And almost, he's one of those people that almost everything he does would make sense. Like if he made like a jazz album next, you'd be like, yeah, I, I, I sort of get that. I'm not saying it'd be good, but you'd be like, yeah, I, I, I sort of get that. And I, I think it's brilliant when people are in, are in that position, they can pretty much do what the hell. I mean, if, if like, if Bad Bunny wrote a book for children you'd be like oh right yeah that's pretty good and if Bad Bunny wrote a pornographic novel you'd be like yeah I, I, that's kind of in keeping isn't it and like, there's not all that many artists you can say that of but that's I what totally I mean agree. it's the popularity contest they're ticking
1: the boxes one of my and it's not a guilty pleasure one of my pleasures is uh, idolising Princess Diana and she invented the thing about going and taking pictures with mm, impoverished children and that made her popularity burst through the roof Even she was already popular and she was already iconic and as soon as she started walking through minefields. That was when, boom! Everyone just adored Princess Diana and hated <laughs> Prince Charles. Well, that's what Bad Bunny is kind of doing. It's like I'm gonna speak up for trans people. I'm gonna use my platform to, to even like the other day his performance at Latin Grammys playing with Las Atipicas. You know these 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 elder women who play in folkloric covers in Puerto Rico. You know it's like he's using. Well, as Jay Z said in that song, "Every day a star is born." Platform, platform, platform. You know it's about using platform it's beyond music so it's like okay this is the world we live in today Uh, and it's almost like a guilty pleasure if you like an artist that doesn't do their part for some cause so it's it's something that celebrities get flack for sometimes it looks like they're just doing it for as i say uh, as a popularity strategy and i'm not saying i do genuinely believe that it is in his heart it one of my other this is a guilty pleasure sting I don't know if we should talk about it yet or should we just play a little bit of Bad Bunny to give our listeners a little bit of a break from our voices. So I brought it around to Sting because the, if if, there is, if ever there is a guilty pleasure, it's it, it's it's Sting. But uh, because we're running out of time, I think it's time we to, uh, well, just basically say that Sting did a lot of um, beautiful charitable work. He's always done it and stuff, but you still think uh, he's still very unpopular. <laughs> it hasn't worked for him, but I love him anyway. But it's t- it's t- we album of the week, album of the week. Yep. And again, and what again- a shit segue, by the way. <laughs> I was like trying to find a link from Sting to Miley Cyrus, and uh, if only you know, okay, Miley Cyrus has gone for the kind of '80s new wavy sound that would be heard on Police records. There we go.
2: Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of links actually. Just, like her her new album really does uh, very much call back to. Uh, the 80s plastic hearts. I mean, you know, there's reference well, 70s and 80s as references, like Joan Jett is on it, for example. Billy Idol's on it for for crying out loud. You don't get much more more 80s than that. Um, and it's easy and it's very Phil Collins as well. And again, it's back to supposed guilty pleasures territory. Again, I'm not saying that that you should be guilty for, for liking anything, but if you're on guilty pleasures. Phil Collins is an absolute classic example, and there's a lot of Phil Collins to this uh, to this album. Like "Give Me What I Want," which has got those like gated '80s drums. Yeah. Um, and there's a song that sounds very much like Phil Collins' version of "You Can't Hurry Love," which uh, is 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 quite interesting. I gotta say, <laughs> oh that. Uh, uh, which song was that? I'll, I'll find it. Um, I. Quite liked this though. I've got to say, I thought I'm not entirely convinced by her rock persona. What about you, Mar? You you were probably the biggest Miley fan among
0: us. I I was the one who had the stakes higher for her. Like I was blown away by the cover uh, of Blondie and stuff. Like everyone else, and I was so 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 excited. I I have never been this excited for a Miley album in my whole life, and that played against me, I think, because I, my expectations were. Higher than they should have been. Like uh, it was very difficult for her to meet what I was expecting. Mm. So um, the first listen, I was like, no, I don't like it. But now, <laughs> looking back and taking it all the pressure away, I, I'm I think I do like it. I, I'm trying to forget the Mar that thought that she was gonna put out like the best rock album ever, and she it all everything was gonna be like the um, Hearts of Glass cover just thinking okay Miley put a new album let's hear it I think I like it and there's good songs there's others that maybe I didn't like as much but I do like it and I think she's on the right way to, to being her most like herself in this album, do, you, do you
2: think this is most like herself because she's, she's done indie rock she's done kind of like hip hop stuff she's done country she's done electronic music why do you think this is her? because
0: um, I think like it's it's the one she looks more more comfortable with like the other ones were kind of off mm. for some reason and this one she looks comfortable like i think mm, she would have felt better maybe if some of the tracks were not so overproduced like some of them felt like really thought of and really like meticulous or something but um uh, i do think she at least she's on the right track to being more st- like herself
1: i th- i th- I feel just like you Umar. I think it, this album it screams wasted opportunity because she built she built it all up with the with the covers, right? And it's, and everyone including like rock fans that I've that I have on social media, they were like I am liking this, you know, I believe her. I believe her as a rock uh, as a rock performer, but not not much on this album in, as in songs brings out her iconoclasm like her rendition of Heart of Glass or Zombie or the, the new remix mashup with Stevie Nicks. Because while we may appreciate her leadership with her career, and no one can doubt her strength as a performer, it's a shame she didn't turn for help on some of the songwriting. All the greats had, you know, Michael Jackson had songwriters. Even though he could write and, you know, and, and write to his, uh, to his style, he would have the best people in a studio Miley can afford. And she's got Ryan Tedder again, right? who's the you know he had this hit as uh, for on with his band one republic but he's also a very certified uh, songwriter for other pop stars he wrote halo for beyonce you know there's no halo on this album midnight sky it's a very good song but the best ones for me are the ones produced by mark ronson and funny enough it's the ones where she sounds almost most country or at least one of them and it's like, why didn't you just get Mark Ronson on board the whole thing and do a back-to-black but a la Miley doing 80s new wave rock? Because he's a he's a very good music encyclopedia, Mark Ronson, and he knows how to recreate new songs based on old formulas, like he did with Back to Black, like he did with Bruno Mars in Upton Funk. He took that New Jack kind of Prince Funk. You know, he he's a master and he's got incredible good taste, and that's what's lacking here.
2: But wasn't, I, I sort of thought that the covers were her way of saying, look, this is me. I'm doing rock. It's like to get that out of the way. So like by the time the album came, it wouldn't be like a big shock. It was like clearing. It was like, okay, okay I can mm. do rock. I can sing zombie. And now this is my my version of rock. And I think it's kind of her voice is pretty well suited to it. Like she really like gives it some on, on these oh, songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vocal performance is totally up. In fact, I like her vocal
1: performance on all of the songs, nearly all of them. It's the, it's the weight of the songs. You know, she had, as you say, she had a, a runway now to take off and even though she's a huge icon she's an icon, Miley Cyrus is an icon she's no longer Disney, she's no longer Hannah Montana, she's, she's done world tours without backing dancers She, bang, the Bangers tour was an iconic thing like U2's Pop Mart tour or Acton Baby's tour you know, we talk about Bangers and we're going to keep talking about the Bangers tour from years to come, like wow this. a lot of young pop stars are going to say oh I was inspired by the Bangers tour, but you know, if, if the day, when the day comes of touring on the back of this album and creating a show around it, there are a couple of songs that, you know, they've got the hand claps, you can create some moments and some of the songs might grow into the, the psyche, but the, the album opener, what the fuck do I know? It's, it's very unmemorable for an album opener.
2: I, I, one thing I did find with this album was it kept on reminding me of other things like W2A w- w- TF do I know um, reminded me a lot of uh, The Cure's love song and the next one oh. I was like uh, Plastic Hearts that's one that reminds me of Phil Collins' take on You Can't Hurry Love <laughs> uh, Prisoner remind me of uh, Olivia Newton-John on Physical which yeah. actually uh, mm-hmm. it in, it's interpolates. it's
1: practically a rip off <laughs>
2: well no no officially they do they interpolate it it's in, it's in the mm-hmm. credits and everything ah. Um, and it just kept on sort of reminding me of things. Now, is that because I'm too old? Potentially. But I, I find that a little bit annoying. A lot of it reminded me of the Beatles as well, which I was not expecting. She, she got Dua Lipa and Prisoner and uh, neither of them really shine. as
1: and Dua Lipa, you know, she can shine just by clicking her fingers, but uh, I don't know, I didn't get like the power kind of, you know, when you put two incredible flavors together and it becomes better. This this was like when you mix two things, two things in a drink and it's just some kind of brown paste mm-hmm. that tastes, it isn't really that sweet and it isn't really that chocolate. Bah. Um, but the first ballad on the album, which is the third song,
0: that That one's the best one.
1: Yeah, that one, you know, it's a little earworm. It's not Wrecking Ball, but it could become a live favorite, like one where people take out their phones out and, oh, you know, create a sea of lights. Uh, But I just wish she would have been a bit more ambitious. Not ambitious, because she is. You know, Miley's ambitious, but I just think that to become the Madonna of her time or the the Miley of her time, the Miley, the rock star that no one is taking care of, there's no clear stadium rock star of her age lady gaga but she's older than her so lady Gaga's is fine and, and she's gonna keep doing her stadium things and halftime show this is how you measure the weight could miley cyrus steal the super bowl halftime show just with these any of the songs here i don't think so
2: yeah, but that's that's a bit harsh. I mean, you're not going to do a super, you know a Super Bowl show just with songs from one album. Midnight Sky is an absolute banger. That's one of the songs of the year, right? And the way she came back—it with the remix, actually featuring Stevie Nicks. That is a power move. And in a halftime show, if she brought she brings on Stevie Nicks, then it will be a good moment. And obviously,
1: she's got Wrecking Ball and and Party in the USA and stuff. But this is what I mean. None of it is as strong as global icon, stadium filling. <clears throat> oomph that I'm used to. I don't know. I'm maybe being a bit too harsh.
2: Now, Johan, you have approximately three minutes to ta- to take us through Sting, Sting and Shaggy and onto Julio Iglesias. OK,
1: so going back, since we were talking about guilty pleasures and it is true. Uh, nowadays, nothing is guilty. But I think Sting, there's there's just no way of defending Sting without everyone sort of sighing in despair. Uh, he's the kind of pretentious, over-shoulder-looking ponce you love to dislike. He was a school teacher before finding success as a musician, and I bet he was the type of condescending one who shamed his, da- his daft students and wore a scarf to work, and, be- and he was really intense in coffee breaks with the other teachers, mocking the geography teacher because she read, I don't know, Anne Rice instead of Carl Gustav Jung, you know. But I have a soft spot for him. Ever since The Police, a band of blonde-haired, good-looking men who fused New Wave with light reggae which reminds me if that I was also a fan of UB40 which is also a little bit of a guilty pleasure you know UB40 for god's sakes but you know you can't separate your childhood from some memories so Sting is the kind of you know he's he's a successful man who came from humble origins that most men look up to he's done a lot of high profile charity work like I said before like Bad Bunny to save rainforests and protect tribes but most importantly he still wears sleeveless t-shirts beyond the age of 60. And he even made those fingertipless mittens like Fagan wears in Oliver Twist look kind of fashionable if you're a millionaire who likes to slam it. You know how some Eurocentric rich men want to always look edgy or cool by dressing a bit like a homeless bohemian? Well, Sting is the Pinterest pin in this style. He's a beacon for these type of men who, for decades, you know, he's a, he has been for decades, ever since he went solo. The Sting style is bulletproof. Even though you may dislike him, he's never committed any unforgivable fashion faux pas. Think the oversized black coat in Englishman in New York. That never gets old it's the iconic look for the urban intellectuals who spend hours in cafes pretending to read Chomsky when they're really eyeing up the waitresses he's healthy he's fit he's a millionaire he's never been poor since he became famous and even his duet album with shaggy isn't as terrible as it sounds because you can hear the fun they had making it And this is an album where, if you listen closely, this man, Sting, born in Wallsend, Northumberland, tries to get away with singing in Jamaican patois. He's subtle. He only lets it come out in a few sentences. The man is experienced with facing backlash for appropriating reggae. He wasn't going to fuck up now, was he? But the fact that he can't suppress pronouncing a few words a la Jamaican proves how comfortable he is in the presence of his new BFF, Shaggy. Uh, they've even they've even continued. They've made like an Xmas song, a Christmas song together. They made a, a cover of Silent Night, which is so ghastly. It's this is what I mean. It's guilty pleasure. It's like I don't even I'm not even enjoying it, but it's it's so terrible that I have to enjoy it. Is there anything that terrible, Mara, that you've been listening
2: to I lately?
0: Have, I could never imagine something worse than a sting Christmas song <laughs> featuring Shaggy.
2: Oh, I've got something worse for you. I've got something worse. A James Blake Christmas song.
0: <laughs> you're hateful, oh, right James it Blake. It exists. James we'll Blake has so.
2: covered In the Bleak Midwinter. I kid you not. It, it, it is true. And it is, it, is cr- <laughs> it is cringy. You see, James Blake is,
1: is guilty pleasure now. Is guilty of pleasure because it's it's so obviously cool to, or it was so obviously cool to like James <laughs> Blake that now it's like no nah, no nah, don't be so basic.
2: Well, he's luckily he he's addressed that by making something so uh, displeasurable that no pleasure can be had of it in in any way shape or form. He's very good. Ge- he's getting close to James Blunt territory. Another that's another clear. Guilty I would pleasure. rather listen to James Blunt than, than James Blake's take on in the Bigfoot New Year.
1: But Mars Generation love James Blunt because what? he's
2: super cool on Twitter, isn't he? James
0: uh- Blunt. Jim,
1: uh, You're beautiful.
0: Yes, I, I've seen Ma, a couple speak of... speak for your
2: generation, <laughs> for God's sake.
0: I'm always taking the voice for everyone. <laughs> um, I, I've seen a couple of his tweets and I, th- I thought uh, this has to be like a parody account. Like, th- it cannot be the man himself tweeting this stuff. But I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was funny. I don't think it was in- on purpose, but... Yeah, I gonna.
2: We've got, to, we've got to go, haven't we? We've got to go. Uh, do we, that, get, can, can we just play? Uh, yeah.
1: The last of my guilty pleasures. The last one. Julio Iglesias, right? Another one who, whereas people are condemning reggaeton artists for talking about sex and cheating on their girlfriends and stuff or whatever, Julio Iglesias wrote the book on this and he's been celebrated for years. And when you go to his concerts, you're surrounded by the type of dodgy men who had dodgy, shady business deals in the Malasia operation in Marbella and all these men Men who cheat on their wives and their children are embarrassed of being dropped off at school. So they ask, Dad, please drop me off at the bottom even though I have to walk 10 minutes so that no one sees me driving your horrible preposterous um cabriolet that you like to pride yourself as you're like this young cool guy no father he's the he's a mute anyway so that was <laughs> i've lost it <laughs> so yeah i grew up around a lot of that you know the kind of the julio iglesias you know the men who glorify this kind of sexual objectification of women and 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 bragging about all the loves conquests that they've had and all this kind of stuff uh the airy male nonchalance it It's uh, very unfashionable to kind of um, say that you like this now, but I love it. I can't help it. I can't get enough of it. And uh, I think that puts an end to our little (laughs) celebration of guilty pleasures. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, we can't go any further. Okay, well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Thank you for bringing the energy. We leave you now with the greatest, Julio.